2: The number one AI CRM. Now everyone's in Einstein with Salesforce.
4: Now, from our nation's capital, this is Bloomberg Sound On.
5: We will win back the House, win back the Senate, and re elect Governor Brian Camp for four more years.
6: It's uh, something that we have to win. We want to win. Bloomberg Sound On. Politics, policy, and perspective.
4: From DC's top name.
7: Kemp has been telling voters throughout the state that, listen, let's focus on what's going on here.
3: The Republican governors uh, met recently in Arizona and said they're tired of this vendetta tour and they're going to take a position against it.
4: Bloomberg Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio.
1: Welcome to primary day and the fastest hour in politics as we explore the issues today driving voters to the polls from inflation to jobs and an important conversation ahead with the man who helped orchestrate Barack Obama's re election. Jim Messina with us today, the CEO of the Messina Group. And with Decision Day in Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, and yes, Texas, Bloomberg elections expert Greg Giroux is going to join us later on. Several high profile Trump endorsements on the line tonight. We have analysis from the Sound On panel with Bloomberg Politics contributors Jeannie Shanzano and Rick Davis with us for the hour. Welcome to another primary day. The rallies are over. The closing arguments have been made. Voters right now are deciding on issues. It's a magic moment for any campaign operative and a very stressful one, depending on the day. As Jim Messina would tell you, the former campaign manager for President Obama's re-election, former deputy chief of staff in the White House, now CEO of the Messina Group, joins us with his view on the issues and the campaigns that are driving this cycle Several states in play today, and Jim, thank you for being part of this. You were known as the fixer in the Obama White House, famously, a White House that included a man named Joe Biden. With inflation surging, with the pandemic still underway, a domestic agenda that has been severely challenged, Joe Biden's approval ratings, depending on where you look, low 40s, maybe on a bad day, upper 30s. Democrats, Jim, as you know, are bracing for rough midterms. How would you tell Joe Biden to fix it?
6: Well, I think a couple things. The party in power loses an average of three and a half Senate seats and 26 House seats in the last 50 years. So the Democrats kind of come to this, uh, you know, with some real challenges. And then, as you say, Joe, inflation is now the number one political issue. Mm-hmm. And so what the president needs to do is stay very focused on making sure voters understand he gets the inflation issue, he cares about it, he's working on it, and there's and uh, showing progress. And then he needs to draw a very sharp contrast between his party and the Republicans in these
1: midterm elections.
6: Because if he doesn't, the midterm elections will be a referendum on the incumbent and usually right. incumbent presidents lose those.
1: Well, this, you know, follows months in which the administration called inflation transitory. The president now and his advisors uh, are pointing to the war in Ukraine and COVID as the drivers and who could have expected the war to break out, of course, but Jim, people know that in inflation has been a problem since last year. We were talking about this way before Uh, Ukraine. The war made things worse. Does the administration need to acknowledge that? Look, I think
6: what's clear is that, you know, I have 12 presidents and prime ministers around the world as my clients and everyone is dealing with this issue. It's not just the United States because of, you know, action or inaction of the Fed or the president or anything. What is true is what voters want is the president to give them some uh, very clear objectives about what he's going to do and how he's going to take these steps. And so that's what voters want. I think they want less about the blame game and more to say, hey, what are we doing to make people's lives
1: better? I get that part. But when we start hearing about the Putin price hike, you know, in in terms like this, it doesn't seem to acknowledge the whole story. It, It can come across as disingenuous. No,
6: well, look, that is a piece of it, right? It's, clearly, the war in Ukraine made things different, more difficult. The supply chain uh, is a very big issue out there, and again, it's not just the United States; everyone is having these problems around the world. And trying to blame, you know, one action by the president is yes. is really kind of silly.
1: The White House has adopted the term "ultra MAGA" uh, to describe, I guess, the the right wing of the Republican Party. I'm not sure if you can really even draw the lines on this. The Trump wing. Uh, But also the economic proposals put forward by Senator Rick Scott of Florida. Uh, He chairs the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which might be part of the reason there. The administration, though, decided to make him the foil. He spoke last weekend, Jim, at the Lincoln Reagan dinner in Newport, New Hampshire. I'd love for you to respond to what he said. Here he is.
6: Raimondo is running commerce. She came and testified about two weeks ago. I said, what are you doing for inflation? She said, it's not my fault. It's all the Federal Reserve. Secretary of Transportation Buttigieg came and testified and said, what are you doing about the supply chain? I said, you've only been out to uh, the port in California one time since you've been in office. And by the way, Buttigieg and Armando, the last time they testified, inflation was 1.4 percent, I think it was. But they took no responsibility.
1: So he's turning this into a competency issue, Jim, much like Republicans are with the baby formula shortage as a campaigner. How do you answer that, knowing the amount of time you have between now and November?
6: I think you don't. I think what you do is say, here's what we're doing to make things better. I think you don't get in a tit for tat. I think you don't want to be on the defensive as a campaigner. What you want to do is move an offensive argument. When I run presidential campaigns, I always talk about you have to win the economic argument, and the winner of that argument wins the election. Yeah. And so I think that's what I would stay very focused on if I were the Democrat.
1: What are your thoughts on Joe Biden, having been as close to him as you were in the Obama administration, to see him at the helm now uh, as a much older man and one who's dealing with a very different political climate?
6: Yeah, look, you know, at some point, you know, it's the old Chinese curse. "Me, you live in interesting times. I mean, the challenges in front of him, the challenges that have you know, leaders around the world are really, really difficult right now. And, you know, you combine COVID, a war, inflation, these are really big challenges. And the thing that I think is good is you've got a pretty steady guy who understands the challenges, who's been through every single crisis um, and is going to not panic and not do dumb things and attempt to just get the policy right. Because that's Mm -hmm. what presidents have to do. They have to get the policy right.
1: Spending time with Jim Messina uh, here on Bloomberg Sound On. I mentioned the primaries, Jim, big ones today, especially in Georgia, and I'm sure you're Uh, Watching along with everyone uh, where we've seen a split between in the Republican Party, between Trump nation or I don't know, ultra MAGA and establishment Republicans, certainly in the gubernatorial primary, uh, where Mike Pence actually campaigned in person for the incumbent governor, Brian Kemp.
5: Early voting turnout has tripled since 2018. And thanks to your governor. It is easier to vote and harder to cheat than ever before in Georgia history.
1: Well, And that's not—that's the opposite of what Donald Trump is saying, as we heard uh, last evening, in a teletown hall for his candidate, of course, the former senator, Perdue.
6: It's uh, something that we have to win, we want to win, and uh, we have a, uh, a governor that's done the worst job of any governor in probably decades on election integrity.
1: Getting to this story from the other side, Jim. How did Democrats exploit the fissure?
6: Well, first of all, Georgia is now the most competitive state in America. There's more spending in Georgia in both the Senate race and the governor's race than any other state. Georgia's now the the uh, kind of center of American politics, and you know it's amazing to see Pence campaigning against Trump's candidate. I guess he's one thing you can say about Pence is he's stabbing Trump in the front, not the back. Um, But it's something we've just never seen. Democrats are the beneficiaries of this. They love this brutal, ugly primary uh, because they have a very strong nominee in Stacey Abrams. And she's waiting for the winner here. And, you know, what we saw in the in the runoff elections in December of last year, when Democrats won two Senate seats, people didn't think they would, is there was depressed turnout by Republicans because of some of the Trump problems. Mm -hmm. And so the question for Democrats is going to be coming out tonight. How many Republicans actually voted here and are the people who lose, are they going to be pissed and not stay with the Republican nominee in the uh, in the general election?
1: Is that something that Democrats should hope for?
6: Absolutely. In this difficult of a year, um, you know, a turnout of one or two points less by the Republicans could give the Democrats the Senate seat and the governorship.
1: Jim Messina, great opportunity to spend some time with you on a primary day. Thanks for being with us, CEO of the Messina Group, with us on the Fastest Hour in Politics. I'm Joe Matthew in Washington. Welcome to Sound On. It is the Tuesday edition, and we're dealing with some terrible breaking news that I want to mention and something that we're going to be touching on with uh, our panel in just a moment. But there's been a terrible mass shooting today. It happened at an elementary school in a rural community in texas this is right outside san antonio remembering as well by the way they're voting there today that is that's uh, that's uh not far from the Quayar district here which goes from san antonio down to the rio grande governor greg abbott says 14 students and a teacher were killed a gunman fatally shot by police this is something that is unfolding right now and i want to urge you to remember we've We've been through stories like these before. Just a grain of salt in the opening moments here as we get actual numbers, because sometimes these things can change. Uh, Governor Abbott did identify the shooter as an 18-year-old student uh, at the high school. the High School is where this happened. If we can bring in the panel quickly on this, it's something that I'd like to be able to hear uh from Rick and Jeannie about Bloomberg Politics contributors, Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzano. Rick, I didn't plan to be talking about this. You didn't either. But this is a story, obviously, that brings up a lot of issues here when we think about our security, the availability of guns. A lot of campaign issues are driven by these shootings. They just they don't always seem uh, to drive people to conclusions at the polls. Is this the type of thing that inf- that informs someone's decisions at the polls?
3: Well, Joe, um, uh, our, our show is interrupted on a more and more frequent basis, it seems, by these kinds of uh, shootings that just rock the communities. And our mm-hmm. our prayers go out to the the people of Uvalde. I, I know this is an incredible shock to them, and and frankly, should be a shock to every uh, person in the world to have this kind of uh, heinous crime occur. And and it reminds us uh, that uh, there are issues that revolve around. Um, guns and violence in our communities crime that will be a major factor in this year's election uh, we, we talk a lot about inflation we talk a lot about the economy even the war in ukraine mm-hmm. uh, but but more and more people are starting to talk about this kind of uh, needless violence access to weapons and uh, especially by young people like this perpetrator uh, who reports are was 18 years old and, uh, and, and, and the crime that has spun up, you know, in a lot of our major yeah. cities and here in a very that thought, quiet Rick.
1: rural area. Rick and Jeannie back with more from our panel. This is Bloomberg
2: the number one AI CRM. Now everyone's in Einstein with Salesforce.
4: You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Joe
1: Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. As we change course with breaking news, thanks for joining us. A terrible story that is unfolding from Texas. As you read on the terminal, 14 kids, one teacher killed in Mass, Texas school shooting. We heard a short time ago from Governor Greg Abbott.
5: There are families who are in mourning right now. And the state of Texas is in mourning with them.
1: I want to warn you that this is still in the early going here. But the governor does say that the shooter killed 14 students and one teacher using a handgun. An 18 year old shooter, Ivaldi High School, shot and killed by officers. Two officers were hit, according to the governor, not hurt seriously. And as we were just discussing uh, with Rick Davis, Jeannie Shanzana was with us as well, our panel. There are a lot of different ways to get to this, but a lot of it feeds, of course, the controversy around crime here in this country. If you flip the coin on that, it also feeds the debate around access to guns. Jeannie, I'd like to get your take. Uh, We had a moment with Rick, but I didn't get to hear from you on this. You know, we're supposed to be talking about primary day here, and these are big issues that will last through this cycle and likely straight through 2024.
7: That's right. I I mean, it's incomprehensible, and I think the govern that the governor put it right. uh, Horrific and incomprehensible. Fourteen elementary school kids those are babies and their parents are supposed to be uniting with them after school reportedly thursday was their last day of this school year and they will never go home it is reminds all of us of sandy hook but this isn't these are not isolated incidents obviously in the united states and that's the problem gun violence in the u.s has surged beginning in 2020 this is a continuation of what was a horrific weekend the shootings in buffalo but when you see this impacting kids, kids and babies, people in school who are supposed to be learning. It speaks to everything from guns to violence to mental health, a young man, apparently 18 year old dead now who did this. Um, So, you know, By every stretch, this is something that is going to play into these primaries, into these elections, but it has going back decades in the United States. We've made very few strides at the national level, great strides at the state and local level, but at the Mm. national level, very few strides when it comes to either gun control or mental health. It has to be addressed, and it hasn't yet been, and that is shameful for all of us.
1: We're hearing from the White House now. Uh, The president has been briefed on this, as you would suspect, uh, Rick. Uh, Karine Jean Pierre, the press secretary, says his prayers are with the families impacted by this awful event, and he will speak this evening when he arrives back at the White House. Is that the right move? Sure. Uh, this will be
3: something that I think every American wants to, uh, talk about to, uh, grieve for the people, uh, in Udavalt, U- Uvalde, mm-hmm. Texas. And, 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 and I think it's, the job of the president to try and put some kind of focus on this um, um i think having joe biden uh in uh, his ability to uh empathize uh with the american public around this this troubling event um is actually a really good use of this president's time and attention right now there are so many other crises that he has uh, had to deal with, mm-hmm. uh, but none probably more important than the the health and safety of our own people, you know, in the country here. And and there are so many things to unpack from this, uh, so many issues that have gone along too long uh, that haven't been addressed. Uh, and I think his tone and tenor tonight would be a good time to start that discussion and, and, and plan to have it throughout the course of of the balance of this year at least because um uh, we have to find solutions to this that that people can sign on to regardless Mm -hmm. of their ideology or their geography
1: what are those solutions Jeannie? i mean are we going to start talking solutions tonight or is it too early for that for this president
7: you know it's never too early to start talking solutions because this is not again an isolated incident this is of
1: politics could backfire though
7: It it can backfire, but you know what? That should be nobody's concern, and particularly this president's. We have babies in the United States being killed on a daily basis. We have the largest number of mass shootings that we've had, and this is going on and on. It has to be addressed. The problem is, how is it going to be addressed? Can you move anything like this through the U.S. Congress today? And sadly, the answer is no. I mean, I sat on television after Sandy Hook and said it is incomprehensible that we we will not see federal action after you see 26 babies murdered in their school yeah, well, and yet we but- saw no federal action much to the dismay of the pre- then president obama and much of the rest of congress but that is the reality of a senate in which you have a filibuster that was used to stop action which by the way large majorities of Americans support common sense gun control. It is not a hard thing to poll on or find that What's there's What's different widespread about this support. time,
1: though? What's different, Rick, from Newtown? Uh, the, the, the numbers were even more horrid. The stories uh, were mainstream. People promised change, and we're still talking about it.
3: Yeah, I think it's, it's time. First of all, I, I think that we should have a, a higher expectation by Congress than thinking that this has anything to do with, you know, with with, um, you know, getting more than 51 votes, we should have 100 votes in the United States Senate for change. Right. Mm. People have to understand that continuing uh, ignorance of this issue, ignoring what is happening in our own country with violence uh, uh, significantly increasing over the last few years needs a direct and and, and massive uh, attack, a massive approach to fixing this problem. It's not just hardware. It's also mental illness. And I think all those things need to be taken into consideration.
1: Another redefining story. In 2022, this is Bloomberg. Broadcasting live from our nation's capital, Bloomberg
4: 99.1 to New York, Bloomberg 1130 to Boston, Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960 to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and Bloomberg This is Bloomberg Sound On with
1: Joe Matthew. Another mass shooting changes the conversation in America. This time, Texas, where 14 kids and one teacher were killed at the hands of an 18-year-old. We're going to have the latest for you. This took place just outside of San Antonio. And of course, Texas is voting today on this primary day with runoffs that will be pivotal in some cases here with an incumbency on the line not far from where this happened We'll have a conversation next with elections reporter Greg Giroux. We're also going to reassemble the panel. Rick and Jeannie are with us to help make sense of this as the news comes in. We're learning more as we go through the hour. We got the latest uh, information from the governor, Texas Governor Greg Abbott. want you to hear this in his words.
5: Uh, an 18-year-old male who resided in Uvalde. Uh, it's believed that he abandoned his vehicle and entered into uh, the Robb Elementary School in Uvalde with, with a handgun. And he may have also had a rifle. But that is not yet confirmed. According to my most recent report, uh, he shot and killed horrifically, incomprehensibly, uh, 14 students, uh, and killed a teacher, uh, Mr. Uh, Romus the shooter. Uh, he is he uh, he himself uh, is deceased, uh, and is believed that responding officers. Killed him. It appears that two responding officers were struck by rounds but have no serious injuries. Uh, The Uvalde Consolidated Independent School District Police Department is the investigating agency, and we will provide them uh, and the city of Uvalde substantial investigative and patrol assistance. We're in the process of obtaining detailed background information on the subject. And of course, we'll
1: bring to you more as soon as we do. That's Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott speaking. Just moments ago with reporters about this giving us the latest news and a terrible, if you're just joining us, another terrible school shooting, this time in elementary school in Texas. Greg Abbott, by the way, the governor, is currently scheduled to speak at an NRA conference this week in Houston, Texas, at which Donald Trump will be the headline speaker. And of course, look, that's a point of pride for Texas Republicans, Brian Kemp, if we can move to Georgia here for a second. Also, one of the biggest endorsements that he was promoting for himself was that of the NRA. I mention this because, of course, he's in his primary today in in Georgia. They're voting in both states. Brian Kemp talked about it just a couple of days ago here in his effort to keep the job, which it appears he will do with a commanding lead over former Senator David Perdue. Here he is. As Georgia's governor, I've been grateful for their support and partnership.
5: And as a gun owner and lifelong member, I'm proud to receive their endorsement as we continue to fight every day for the constitutional right of all Georgians.
1: Let's bring in Greg Giroux. He's been covering uh, the campaign trail uh, with abandon this primary season. And if you want to know what's happening today in a series of states, it's not just the three primaries. We've got runoffs in Texas always breaking it down by congressional district with great context, Bloomberg elections reporter, Greg Giroux. Thanks for being here, Greg. We didn't think we'd be talking about this, but it is important to note that this is a major issue here. There are a couple of them tied into this in the midterm election cycle, crime as a potential liability for Democrats, but also access to guns. There's nothing more effective than wrapping yourself in an NRA endorsement as a Republican candidate. Where does that lead? The greater conversation about public safety.
0: Yeah, it's a good question, and uh, yet another terrible tragedy, another mass shooting, and the the fact that it was at an elementary school just uh, makes it sadly reminiscent of Newtown in 2012. It, but sure it just is. seems like it just seems like every time this happens, every time we have a mass shooting, all too common uh, in our country, that you know it does reignite conversation about uh, access to guns and who should have them, but ultimately you know, nothing really happens in legislatures. Uh, So um, I'm not, I'm sure we'll go through this cycle again, where Mm it will be, um, you know, uh, I think recovering from the tragedy. um, But uh, I'm just not sure that it's going to lead to any real uh,
1: policy changes. Well, and why would you? It's never happened. If Newtown wouldn't do it, uh, these numbers are not as great. And it's a very different political climate now. I I wonder, though, is You consider the way the debate has changed. The conversation has changed on the campaign trail within the cycle here. Greg, we added Roe v. Wade a couple of weeks ago. We're bringing public safety back again here in a big way. We had the shootings in New York. Now this uh, you can't predict. It's just a reminder that you cannot predict what is going to decide elections. This could balloon into something much bigger between now and November.
0: Yes, I think that's right. I mean, uh, typically, we've got, you know, three or four major issues that tend to, you know, decide elections, the economy and jobs. Uh, Inflation has really spiked up. Um, But, you know, public safety, I think, is certainly um, an issue that has gotten a a lot more attention. Um, We we hear about mass shootings, but also attacks on public transit in areas Mm -hmm. like New York City and other other, uh, jurisdictions. So I, I think this will be certainly a a uh, recurring uh, issue and one that may get more attention than it otherwise would uh, in other election years.
1: This took place in Uvalde, uh, Texas. If I'm saying it right, Uvalde, I think is uh, what I want to say. That congressional district is adjacent, I believe, to the one uh, where Henry Cuellar is is fighting for his life. Going from that kind of San Antonio area uh, down to the border, can can we assume that there was voting happening in this area, right? <laughs>
0: Yeah, so Uvalde is about 80 miles west of San Antonio, which is a uh-huh. major population center for the district where uh, Congressman Henry Choir is in a tough runoff election against Jessica Cisneros. Most of the vote in Texas is cast earlier absentee, but there's still you know a number of people in that district, runs from San Antonio, South to Laredo, that um, are, are certainly still voting. Uh, voting goes on until uh, 8 o'clock Washington time, yep. uh, and so um, certainly... Once news is filtering out, it's going to be weighing on the minds of people as they uh, go
1: to the polls. Just historically, Greg, before you leave us, do, do issues like gun control, does the issue of gun control change minds or galvanize existing opinions when we have a story like this?
0: I think it's more of the latter. I mean, yeah. there are, you, know, you look at public opinion polls and, you know, you see an overwhelming majority of people who support background checks for for guns, but it's not a singular voting issue, at least not for people uh, on the majority side. But it tends to be um, an issue that uh, the more single issue voters, I mm-hmm. should say, are yeah. those who um, probably more on the NRA side than on those who support uh, stronger restrictions on gun ownership.
1: Thanks for being with us. As always, Greg Giroux, elections reporter with Bloomberg Governments. This is Bloomberg.
4: You're listening to Bloomberg
1: Sound On with Joe Matthew on Bloomberg Radio. The fastest hour in politics takes a bit of a turn here with the horrible news Charlie was just talking about as we try to understand some of the issues that could come from this, particularly in a midterm election season. We just saw a tweet from Representative Henry Cuellar, who, as we discussed a few moments ago with Greg Giroux, is... Up for a very important primary today is incumbency is on the line. This is in a, a neighboring congressional district that stretches from San Antonio to the Rio Grande. Henry Cuellar, the last, the last pro-life Democrat in the U.S. House. He tweets, I am heartbroken over the mass shooting at Robb Elementary School. Fifteen families, the South Texas community and the entire nation are in mourning. Let us pray for peace. Let us come together, he writes, for our neighbors that need support. And let us remember the bright lives we lost today. He's up against a more progressive Democrat named Jessica Cisneros, who happens to be celebrating a 29th birthday on this primary day. As we reassemble the panel, Rick and Jeannie have been with us from the beginning here as we first learned about this at the beginning of the program, Bloomberg Politics Contributors. When you hear a statement like that, rick on a on a primary day is it too much to connect the dots between a story like this Do, does this motivate people to vote not one way or the other but to just have a say in the process today
3: yeah sure i think these are the kinds of issues that galvanize the public uh, around being more active in politics they want to they want to have an impact in their community they want to see change uh, and many times it's because they don't see the change coming from their elected officials. And so they, they, they do become more active. Um, the, today is actually certainly a good day in regards to what we're seeing as far as some public participation in elections, massive increases in in voting in, in Georgia, uh, even after uh, arguments were made uh, on the democratic side that the new laws would uh, stifle voting uh, new early voting mm-hmm. laws, uh, that that caused such concern uh, two years ago, uh, are are producing the the, the greatest uh, um, uh, off year election turnout that
1: they've ever seen. So with regard to the shooting, though, Rick, and, and as a Republican specifically, you know the the talking points here. Republicans say Democrats are light on crime. Democrats say Republicans uh, are irresponsible when it comes to guns. How do you win that argument? It's it's a game of tic tac toe. Have as we've proven
3: yeah, it's it's part of the um, polarization that we have, not just with people's ideology, uh, but also um, uh, on on issues like this, where if that's the only way you frame the debate, then you're never going to find a solution to that debate. And mm-hmm. uh, 20 years ago, uh, uh, this summer, uh, I produced a television commercial uh, that John McCain starred in that we aired in movie theaters all around the country. That encouraged parents to lock away their guns now that their children were going to be home for the for school hmm. after school, so that we could create more gun safety. Something simple that nobody could argue with, uh, and it, it it was the first time a advocacy. Um, Commercial was shown in movie theaters. Now, that's pretty much all you see. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it w- we found places where we could get people, 100% of the people agree that, of course, that's an important thing to have a gun lock on your gun at home if your mm-hmm. kids are going to be home for summer.
1: Is and- that a commercial a Republican could make today, Jeannie?
7: Uh, it is, and they should be making it. You know, unfortunately, what we're looking at today is, you know, Rick's talking about twenty years ago. But let's just look at the numbers. Since two thousand, gun production in the United States has tripled. This includes huge, huge numbers of these ghost guns, these privately manufactured guns. And the the report just out the other day by the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms showed that rise. To to 11.3 million in 2020, from 3.9 million. So we've had both a rise in horrific mass shootings, and unfortunately, Uvalde is going to be added to that horrible list, Columbine, Newtown, Buffalo. It just keeps adding up. And yet, at the same time, you've seen this rise in manufacturing, this rise in purchase, and there is no effort at the federal level to address this. And Rick's talking about a common sense approach. There's many ideas out there and yet they cannot push it through a U.S. Senate at this point that has a filibuster. And that's the reality of the situation. So all of the action that's happened and action has happened has been at the state and local level at the hands of organizations and people who've gotten animated on this issue. But it's not enough because guns go over state lines.
1: This is starting to come through uh, Washington now. People are, are learning about this and it's actually uh, senator chris murphy democrat from connecticut speaking about it emotionally on the senate floor listen to him for a moment
0: what are we doing why do you spend all this time running for the united states senate why do you go through all the hassle of getting this job of putting yourself in a position of authority if your answer is that as this slaughter increases as our kids run for their lives we do nothing what are we doing why are you here
5: not-
1: these are questions rick that probably deserve answers uh <laughs> but i'm not sure we're going to get any i you understand of course why this country is so jaded to have never seen progress on this
3: yeah and, and uh and 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 it's partially because of uh the rhetoric that our our lawmakers take, where they where they insulate themselves by creating an action forcing event that nothing can happen, and uh, it would actually be a good signal, you know. And this is this is actually something I think the American public would expect, and and it doesn't cost anybody anything for the congressional leadership, both Republican and Democrat, uh, to get together and have a summit on this to find out ways. That we can bridge some of these gaps it, 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 no guarantees that there's any outcome in fact mm-hmm. arguably um maybe there won't be but it but it's a shared problem right it's one of those things that that both republicans and democrats in powerful positions as as senator murphy says who's got a sworn obligation to protect the country yeah uh could get together and have an, a conversation about this where where at least they're talking about it. I mean, like part of this is that th- this is not even a dialogue anymore. Nobody wants to talk about it because they feel like some demagogue's going to argue with them. Uh, it will be interesting to see how some of the other leaders and and you know we talk about Donald Trump all the time. Someone yes, who right. has used the gun issue uh, as a way to divide the public, uh, mm-hmm. both along uh, economic lines and geographic lines. Um, you know what he says today because it, it's 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 up to people who are seen as leaders to start answering some of these questions, which is yeah. what are we going to do about this?
1: Sometimes you don't get a statement, which is always interesting uh, with the, the, the decisions coming out of the Trump camp here. But Jeannie, this is why the vitriol is such a problem, right? Look, if you have no relationships with people across the aisle, whether you're the Biden administration or the Republican leadership on Capitol Hill, how are you going to get together on this? If you can't figure out baby formula, Without attacking each other, how are you going to deal with something so important and so tragic today?
7: It's stunning because, again, this is something that massive majorities of Americans agree on. You know, you know, people do have a strong affinity for Second Amendment rights. They believe that people should be allowed to own and purchase guns, but they also believe that there should be limits to that. And that has been, you know, common sense gun control, as we like to say, is not not something that is looked down at by the vast majorities. In fact, they support it. And, you know, I would just go back to there was a time when kids in this country in school were preparing for a nuclear attack. You know what our kids are preparing for today? Just what happened in Uvalde. We all know it. They all go through these lockdown drills. They all know what to do if this happens. That is a sad commentary on where we are. And by the way, you know, as a New Yorker, I will just say we are waiting not just for a Supreme Court decision on abortion and Roe, but also on New York State's tougher gun control law that is going to be decided by the supreme court any day now so there are decisions being made at this moment in all areas of the federal level and in the supreme court uh case we suspect that they will likely overturn this new york law so the federal government is taking exactly the wrong approach when it comes to making all of us and our kids safe in their schools
1: well i know in this you're coming from academia uh and in your tenure now at Iona College, Jeannie, I know this really hits home for you as a parent. Uh, any of our, our, our parent listeners know what this means. I can remember the first time uh, I got that email from school letting me know that they had a, an active shooter drill. And and I, I remember hearing about this from my child, how they, they hid in the corner while the bad man was going down the hall. That kind of stuff is that, that's, that's just sad to think about your kid going through that. And it's something that the president's going to need to get to tonight. We just learned, by the way, from the White House, 8.15 p.m. Washington time. The president will deliver remarks on what happened today in Texas. You can expect to hear his remarks right here on Bloomberg. Rick, thank you for the insights today. Jeannie, thank you, too. These things are not easy to talk about, but we're awfully lucky. I am. And just like you, too, to be surrounded by some of the smartest people Not just smart, though, great human beings who've helped us get through some tough stuff this year. We got another one today and we'll have the latest for you ahead on the situation in Texas. Meet you back here tomorrow. I'm Joe Matthew. This is Bloomberg.